Well, good morning. Welcome to worship again. Whether you're here in the worship center, all of you over in the chapel, anyone watching online somewhere else in the world. So to start out, I want to ask you, have you ever heard the phrase before, that's just the tip of the iceberg? You know, something we hear from time to time, it's a metaphor to point out that maybe what we're reading or what we're hearing, what we're experiencing is not all that there is. It's maybe just a small fraction of the whole reality that implies there's something beneath the surface that we don't know or we're not hearing or we're not experiencing. And when it comes to an actual iceberg out in the ocean, only about 10% of it is visible above the water. The rest of it stays hidden below the surface. And I think most of us are probably familiar with this concept, mainly because of a story that got turned into a movie, right? We know about the iceberg that sank the Titanic. So it was April 14th, 1912, and this incredible tragedy occurred because of the ship running into this gigantic iceberg that was floating in the North Atlantic. The iceberg above the surface was estimated to be somewhere between 50 to 100 feet tall and 200 to 400 feet wide. That's how much could be seen in the fog. And when the watch person saw it, they started to turn left as quickly as they could. And they were pretty confident that they had avoided the iceberg. But remember, 90% of this iceberg is below the water. And so even though they turned the ship, it punched holes on the right side of the ship a hundred meters long. And of course, eventually the ship sank. Now, for a moment, they thought they had completely avoided all of the danger, but it's because they didn't realize how much danger was below the surface. And you know, the truth is, I think our lives can be very much like an iceberg often only you know, maybe 10% of what's really going on in our lives is visible above the surface. Visible maybe to the people around us through the words that we say or maybe what we post on social media or maybe just as they read our face. But maybe it's also only 10% visible to ourselves, things that we actually think deeply about or that we're looking into with purpose. See, I think no matter who we are, there's a lot more going on below the surface of our lives. Most of our true emotions and feelings and their motivations remain hidden, and we might not even realize it. And so here's why today's message is important. It's because we too often shipwreck our relationships because we ignore or we don't even realize what's going on below the surface. Instead of diving in with intentionality and with purpose to see what our real issues are, to see what our real problems are, we just continue to focus on all of the surface level things. But you know, the problem is, at the worst time, our feelings and our emotions, the things that we've maybe hidden away, they can surface with a vengeance. And we often end up burning relationships we maybe blow up a marriage, we blow up a small group, and what we tend to do then is just to move on to new relationships. But the problem is, if we don't get to the heart 
of this issue. It's really just like rearranging the chairs on the Titanic because inevitably we're destined for more pain and more struggles in our relationships. And that's because of this really important truth that says unprocessed emotions don't die. Unprocessed emotions don't die. They get buried alive. You see, if our emotions aren't properly acknowledged and processed, they're going to find a way to come to the surface. And have you ever noticed that when that happens, it's almost always at the very worst time? Our unprocessed emotions and feelings, they can show up in very destructive ways, like insomnia or anxiety or maybe sarcasm and criticism towards other people. Sometimes it's just an overall sense of negativity, or it can even turn into rage and resentment. You see, it's that 90% below the surface that when it surfaces can do so much incredible damage. Now, have you ever snapped at someone before? Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kid, and you wonder to yourself, where in the world did that come from? Well, it could be because of these emotions that we've hidden deep below the surface. Now, have you ever stopped to think about your approach as you come to church, as you're a part of a church community? Have you ever thought about maybe the unwritten rules that you feel are there, maybe the hidden expectations that we all feel we are under. Because I think for many of us, we come with the expectation that we need to put on a happy face when we come to church, that we need to pretend like everything is all right. You know, for some of us, it almost becomes a spiritual barometer. You know, if I don't look like I have it all together, maybe it actually calls my faith and my trust in Jesus into question. And it could be the product of our Scandinavian stoicism. It could be a belief that Christians should just be rock steady at all times. We should never be too up or too down. But many of us, when it comes to church, when it comes to small groups, when it comes to Christian community, we feel like we need to do a lot of pretending. But you know, church should not be a place where we have to pretend. We shouldn't feel pressure to hide our emotions. No, in, in fact, this should be one of the safest places where we can go and be our true, genuine selves. Because God himself, again and again, is revealed to be one who feels. And he created us, human beings, to feel. In fact, feelings are a key part of what it means to be a human created in God's image. And we see this all throughout scripture. You know, take for instance, King David. He experienced the full range of emotions from rage to depression, to sorrow, to incredible joy. And if you read through the Psalms of which he wrote most of them, you'll see all of those emotions and more right at the surface. The prophet Jeremiah was described as a man of great sorrow. He wrote an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations. He experienced life with great struggle and pain and was upfront 
and open about it. The prophet Elijah became so exhausted and he was in such a dark place that he actually sat down and said, God, just kill me now. In Ecclesiastes 3, King Solomon wrote this. He wrote about all of the different times there are in life, all of the different seasons, but he talks about our emotions. He says, there's a time to cry and a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve and a time to dance. But if we just leave it there, if we just say, okay, there's this full spectrum of emotions that we might experience, well, then we haven't done all that we need to do or all that God is calling us to do because our emotions need to be examined and processed, especially those that are a product of maybe negative experiences or baggage that we tend to carry with us. Again, if we don't process and examine what's beneath the surface, it comes back and it does destruction and damage at all the worst times. So I think to have emotionally healthy relationships, we have to learn to deal with what's actually below the surface. We have to take the time with intentionality to honestly examine and process all of our feelings. And it's only when we do this that we are free to love the people fully in our lives. But not only that, as we talked about last week, our emotional and relational health is so closely tied to our spiritual health. When we try to live our life with unprocessed and unexamined emotions, ultimately it impacts our relationship with God. It causes distance between us and him. And it can keep us from hearing his voice and from closely following his will for our lives. And so that's why we think this series, Emotionally Healthy Relationships, is so vitally important. All of us, long for healthy, meaningful relationships. And yet every one of us experiences disappointments in our relationships. And rarely is the source of these disappointments in that 10% that's visible in our lives. Most likely our struggles, our friction, the tension in our relationship comes from the 90% that's hidden away beneath the surface And so our goal for this series is that we would all learn how to better love the people that God has placed in our lives, because that is a very vital part of following Jesus. Remember, he told us to love God and to love people. But in this series, we're also talking about how one of the biggest struggles or challenges to actually living this out is being willing, being courageous enough to look beneath the surface and to recognize how we ourselves contribute to the friction and the problems and the pain in our relationships. You know, it's one thing to just diagnose everybody else, but it's another level for us to take an honest look at the part we play in all of these things. And so last week, our first week, we talked about how we need to start clarifying our expectations. You know, too often we have expectations for others, for relationships, and we don't communicate them clearly. Some of these expectations are not even known to ourselves. We have to come to terms with them. But oftentimes we just don't communicate them well 
to the other person. And so we need to do this. We need to start clarifying our expectations. And today, in light of what we've already talked about, how deep down we all experience complicated emotions, we're going to talk about the importance of becoming more self-aware. Now, none of us like the feeling of being caught unaware, right? I remember quite a few years ago, after preaching a sermon at my last church, my worship director came up and took me aside and he said, just so you know, you have something in your teeth. Now, I figured maybe it was like a speck of pepper from breakfast or something. But when I went and looked in the mirror, I realized it wasn't a speck. It was like a big portion of my breakfast was in my teeth. Now, this was a pretty small church, which meant the people in the very back row could very clearly see this as well as everyone else. That's why I'm super grateful here at Calvary that we have a green room with a big mirror behind there. But none of us like to be caught unaware, right? It can be a terrible feeling. And while it's pretty easy to get over food in your teeth or some minor wardrobe malfunction or something of that effect, being unaware when it comes to our emotions and their causes and their motivations can cause great pain and great destruction in our lives. Being self-aware means knowing both your emotions and your motivations. But as we start to talk about this, I think we might have a variety of reactions or responses. When we talk about the need to go beneath the surface, we might react in a few different ways. First, I think there are some of us who might choose to be resistant. This is the person who doesn't want to go anywhere near there. You know, it's the person who says, I don't want to do this touchy-feely stuff, and no one can make me. And to be honest, I often fall into this category. One of my very least favorite things to do is to sit in a circle and share feelings with other people. But you see, I did youth ministry for quite a few years, and I worked at a Bible camp for four summers, which meant way too often we were sitting in circles sharing feelings. You know, it would be like the end of a mission trip and somebody would say, all right, tonight we get to circle up. And I would try to think of every excuse possible of why we shouldn't do this. But eventually we would sit in a circle, people would go around, they'd share about what was meaningful or, you know, what stuck out to them from the trip. And it it turns out being a very meaningful and valuable experience. But I have to say, oftentimes when it comes to digging into my emotions and my feelings, For sure, I'm resistant. You know, becoming an emotionally healthy person takes courage, and it takes resolve. You know, sometimes we might be tempted to just crack jokes or maybe get distracted with media or social media. But if we don't ultimately face what's going on inside, we're going to pay the price. And so if you're resistant to this kind of conversation, like I often am, I want to encourage you to lean in and to see what God wants to show you today. Now, another response that maybe some of you have is resignation. This is the person who just kind of wants to give give up and throw in the towel and just say, yeah, well, this is how I am, and that's how I always will be. Yeah, you know, maybe sometimes I lose my temper. Maybe sometimes I burn bridges, but that's just the way it is. This is when we're aware 
of our emotions and our tendencies, but we're not interested in digging into the why. But you see, then we miss out on the opportunity to actually grow and to change and to let God transform and improve our relationships. And so I want to challenge all of you today to pick a third option. And that third option is to be resolved. This is the person who is ready and willing to dig in and to do the hard work. To say, you know what? Ultimately, I want emotionally healthy relationships. My marriage is worth it. My friendships are worth it. My family is worth it. Growing in self-awareness is an important part of following Jesus because Jesus is incredibly self-aware. In fact, he is the most self-aware person who has ever walked the planet. He experienced the full range of emotions, all of the feelings that we do. He was fully human as well as fully God. Authors Pete and Jerry Scazzaro, they say this, Scripture portrays Jesus as one who had intense, raw, emotional experiences and was able to express his emotions in unashamed, unembarrassed freedom to others. Jesus is incredibly self-aware. He experienced his emotions and expressed his emotions in the healthiest of ways. Now think, for instance, Jesus felt anger. Now, many times we see him expressing mercy and love and care and patience, but there are times that his anger rises to the surface. There's some groups of people who got under Jesus's skin. They even ticked him off. Primarily, it was the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they held a lot of power and influence over the Jewish people. They were kind of always there looming in the lives of the Jewish people. They created all sorts of extra rules and regulations. It was their own interpretation of God's law. And they ended up creating this intense burden that the people had to carry. And so when Jesus saw his people struggling under all of these expectations and rules, it made him angry. Now I think oftentimes we deal with anger in unhealthy ways. You know, sometimes we're overcome with anger and it spirals into rage. Or maybe we take out our anger on someone else. You know, we have a bad experience at work and we go home and our family bears the brunt of our frustration. Sometimes we bury our anger away and instead we respond with passive aggressiveness or sarcasm or criticism. But you see, Jesus handled anger in a healthy way. He was able to clearly identify the source of his anger. Look at Matthew 23, verses 3 and 4. It says, don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. He's talking about the religious leaders. It says, they crush people with their unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Jesus is identifying the source of his anger, but then he expresses his anger to the religious leaders. In verse 13, 
He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves. Jesus identified and expressed his anger in healthy ways. Now, one side note, when thinking about anger and Jesus, many of us quickly remember the story of Jesus overturning the tables in the temple. And the problem is sometimes Christians grasp onto that story to justify behaving badly. Say, well, Jesus did it, so we need to do it. But what I want you to remember is that Jesus and him alone had perfectly righteous anger. We don't. He was intentional, he was balanced, and he was actually very restrained. He was never out of control, he was never looking for vengeance. He was very measured and purposeful and careful. We also see that Jesus felt sadness when one of his very best friends named Lazarus died. Jesus responds with deep grief. Anyone who went through confirmation and had to have a memory verse knows the verse, John 11, 35, where it simply says, Jesus wept. Jesus was willing to feel deep sadness and even express that sadness with visible tears. He didn't feel the need to be stoic or unemotional or to worry about what everyone else might think about him. I mean, think back to many of the movie or television portrayals in the 80s or 90s, if you can. Usually Jesus is like blonde hair, blue-eyed, walking by a river, kind of just completely unemotional. But that's not who he was. But you know, sometimes we have a hard time processing our grief and our sadness. Sometimes our tendency is to just stuff it all away, to try to get back to normal as quick as we can. And when we do that, our sadness remains unexpressed. Jesus was able to express his sadness and his grief in public with tears. We too need to find ways to process and express our sadness in healthy ways. We also see Jesus felt fear. On the night he was betrayed, he went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane And he knew exactly where this night was headed, and ultimately he would be hanging on a cross until he died. In Luke 22, it says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Obviously, none of us will face what Jesus faced, but we do experience many things that cause anxiety, worry, despair, and fear. And often we turn to unhealthy means to try to cope with those feelings. Maybe it's unhealthy behaviors to try to help us numb or hide our fear and our pain whether it's drinking or overeating or binge-watching or any number of other things to try to help us cope. You see, Jesus didn't deny his fear. 
He didn't try to bury it away. Instead, he cried out to God, asking for help. He processed and expressed his fear in a healthy way. Well, also, we see Jesus felt joy. He felt gladness. He felt gratitude. In John 15, 11, he says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And so Jesus wants us to grow not just in expressing and processing our negative emotions, but also joy and happiness. You know, it might seem weird to think that we might struggle to express joy. But I think, honestly, we do. You know, we might be afraid to get too happy or positive about something because we might feel like it'll just jinx it and it'll go away. Or maybe we have a hard time showing gratitude towards someone else because it just feels awkward or uncomfortable. But Jesus wasn't afraid to be joyful, to be happy. He expressed gratitude and joy towards others. You see, as Jesus' followers, our goal is to become more and more like him. And that means we need to become more self-aware. Being honest about what's going on beneath the surface is not optional. The purpose of this is not to become more self-interested, more obsessed with ourselves, or paralyzed by our emotions and feelings. No, this is being aware enough to allow Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to do a work in us, to begin to transform us. You see, as we open ourselves up to God, asking the Spirit to show us what we need to see, then he will show us the emotions that need to be processed, that need to be expressed. He'll begin to heal what needs to be healed from the inside out. So how do we go about doing this? Well, again, remember, I think it begins with a resolve. It begins with courage, a willingness to dive in. And I think the first step is to simply be honest about what you're feeling deep down. And the answer is not fine. I'm fine. No, honestly, what's going on beneath the surface? You know, I think for many of us, it's way easier to determine what we're thinking versus what we're feeling. So it, it takes practice, it takes effort. And maybe the best place to start is to simply think about the emotions that we talked about Jesus having. So what are you angry about? You know, maybe it's something in the past that still sticks with you. Maybe it's something that recently happened at work or at school or at home, maybe it's something someone said to you or about you that you can't let go of. What are you angry about? What are you sad about? Could be a big loss, it could be a small loss. Maybe it's just a disappointment that you need to process. Maybe it's a missed opportunity. Maybe it's a choice that you made. What are you sad about? What are you afraid of? Maybe it's your finances. And they don't feel secure. Maybe you're waiting for a test result this week. 
Maybe there are conflicts in your family that don't seem to get better. Maybe it's just a general fear of the future and the unknown. But what are you afraid of? And then what are you glad about? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a new opportunity. Maybe it's the way that God is moving in your life in this season. But what are you glad about? So I think the first step towards self-awareness is taking the time to really identify your true emotions. But then the next step is to ask the question, why? Why are you feeling this way? What's really behind it? And I think this is where we truly need to lean in. Because if we're open, the Holy Spirit will show us and will guide us. But are you willing to listen? Are you willing to go there? Will you let him show you what's going on beneath the surface? Because this could lead to a self-awareness that will not only transform your life, it'll transform your relationships. Now, David, in the book of Psalms, he said something very powerful in Psalm 139. He invites God in this open and honest way to do a work within him. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. What if David's prayer was our prayer? What if we would invite God to come and search our heart? If we would ask God to point out whatever he wants us to see, And what if we let him lead us on a path towards self-awareness? And so I want to give you a moment to practice this. I want to give you a moment to spend with God, to invite him to start a work within you, to search that 90% that's below the surface. Now, during this time, perhaps you just think about those questions. What makes you angry? What makes you sad? What are you afraid of? What are you glad about? Or maybe you're ready to go to the next step and say, why? Why is this going on? So let God start to work in your heart in the next moment. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move 
at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing Always only for my King Take my lips and let them be Filled with messages from Thee Take my silver and my gold not a might would I withhold Take my intellect and use Every power as you choose And here am I All of me, All of me. Take my And let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. So I want to challenge you to not just make this a one-time exercise. You're just something you did because you happened to be here this morning. Becoming self-aware is really a daily routine. It's a daily practice. Maybe it can become a new rhythm in your life. Taking time in the morning and at night. You know, how am I really feeling right now? And inviting God to help you look beneath the surface to show you why, and then begin to heal what needs healing. Now again, this is not about becoming more self-centered or more preoccupied with ourselves. This is letting God work on that 90% that's beneath the surface so that we can better love the people he's placed in our lives. See, this is about following Jesus's example each and every day, and that will lead to more emotionally healthy relationships. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God who feels, that you know what we experience. You know what we're going through, the ups and downs of life in this broken world. We thank you for sending Jesus to model for us self-awareness. And so God, help us to do the hard work of going beneath the surface 
and truly identifying what's going on. And then God, help us to open our hearts, our minds, our lives to your healing and your love and your grace. God, we ask your Holy Spirit to do the work within us so that we can be the people you've created us to be and so that we can love others the way that you love us. And so God, we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus and let's all say together.